Welcome to the College Connection Podcast, a podcast presented by the College of Registered Nurses of Newfoundland and Labrador. This podcast is a series of regulatory-focused information and education sessions for RNs and NPs. This is the College Connection Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's College Connection Podcast. My name is Kelly Kane, and I am a registered nurse and nursing consultant for policy and practice with the college. I would like to welcome everyone to the last College Connection podcast for 2023. With renewal just around the corner, I hope you find today's show informative and timely. I am very happy to introduce Michelle Carpenter and Julie Wells to our podcast today. Michelle is a registered nurse and nursing consultant with policy and practice at the college, and Julie is the college's research and policy officer, and they will provide RNs and NPs in Newfoundland and Labrador with an overview of how Alinity works for annual licensing renewal, how to log your CCP, and why it's important to keep your profile up to date. Hi, Julie. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Good, thanks. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Um, Julie, I'm going to start uh, with a question for you first. Um, can you describe to our listeners how to update your profile in the Alinity member portal? So, uh, when you log into Alinity, the first thing you see there we refer to as your um, dashboard. So, on the dashboard, you will see uh, home, uh, documents, groups, learning, and my profile on the menu on the left. So, when you want to uh, update your profile, which we encourage you to do, I click on my profile and then at the top on the left there you'll see a button for edit profile. And your profile information is the information that you provided us either on an application if you're a new registrant or through your registration uh, renewal if you're an existing registrant. So um, personal information, your name and your address is there. If you uh, have a preferred name, that's a new feature. So uh, if my name was Elizabeth, but I went by Betty, I could type Betty in there and then all of my correspondence would be uh, to Betty instead of Elizabeth. Uh, if you want to change your legal name, then you have to click add because you, uh, not only do you have to identify what your new name is, you have to provide supporting documentation, which was always a requirement uh, to change your name legally. Uh, to add your uh, or update your address, same thing if you want to add an address change or change your phone number or your email address. Uh, spoken and written languages other than English. Uh, this is a demo account, um, which is why some of the information uh, has test there in the email address. But if I wanted to uh, add a new language to say that I be Czechoslovakian, then I could just add that by clicking it. I'm selecting it from the drop-down box and clicking yes or no to spoken or written. The same thing with education. And if you are an existing registrant, uh, you may notice that um, some previously reported education is not on your current profile. And that's because in the um, old system that we used, when you did your renewal, all you needed to do was check that you had a master's degree and put in the year. But in the new Alinity system, uh, you have to identify the school uh, where you graduated from. Um, and since we didn't have that information, it couldn't be carried over and it's not on uh, your profile. So if you want to add that I've done a master's from Morville, say, 
And then one pops up, the field is nursing, and the date I received it. If you're um, typing in a school of nursing and it doesn't show up in the list there, you can add, you can manually type it in here and there's a box there to enter the information. So the name of the school and the address, uh, if it's out of province or in another country. Uh, for other jurisdictions, this is meant to be other jurisdictions where you are currently registered as a registered nurse or a nurse practitioner. And we do ask uh, a new question, are you maintaining or planning to maintain your registration in this jurisdiction? So that's a new yes or no. And the same thing, if you wanna add a jurisdiction, type in your registration number, identify the regulatory bodies. We have all of the Canadian regulatory bodies there and other jurisdiction if you want to type one in because it's international and not on the list. And then the effective date. Um, and next is your employment. So identify your employment status. Again, there's a drop-down box. Uh, employed in nursing means you're employed either full-time or part-time. You won't see part-time uh, as an option there in the list, but that first one is meant to cover both. And then you identify your employer. And there's a question there on that profile update to say, do you wanna make changes to your employer? So if I, for example, was no longer working with the college, I could check yes there, I want to make a change and I'm gonna type in a leave date. Uh, let's say it's today. And uh, my second employer, I had MUN. I'm gonna make a change to that and say I'm now full-time with MUN. And there's an add button there if you wanna add a third or fourth or uh, employer. And again, in the previous system, we could only accept three a maximum of three employers. Now it's an unlimited number. So if you have multiple employers, you can put every one of them in there. Uh, for practice hours, it just shows your practice hours on your profile update, and they can only be updated during the actual registration renewal period, which starts in January. So when you do your profile update as part of your renewal, you'll be able to make changes to your practice hours. And the final section is the consent questions, which we've always had. Uh, so whether you want to uh, receive the um, practice newsletter or if you want to release your name and address to the schools of nursing, this is where you would answer those questions. There is a separate set of consent questions if you are a nurse practitioner, so you can answer those as well. And then you just click submit and now your profile is updated. That's it. Awesome. Thanks, Julius. That's good. Um, just going back, Julie, with the um, and I'm not sure if you can answer this, but I, I noticed there was a section there for the preferred name. Um, yes. Externally for the public registry, is that what will show on the public registry? Yeah. Um, like both Betty, will. If, yes. Oh, both will? Okay. Both will show. Um, okay. And not only that, but if you go by Betty, for example, um, and that's how you're introducing yourself to your clients or patients, and uh, they were to look you up if they typed in Betty, um, because you've identified that as your preferred name, then it will sh it will show up in the search results. Whereas okay. you typed in Betty, but your name was Elizabeth, it wouldn't. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you, Julie. So updating your profile in Alinity is the first step to license your renewal with the college. And the second step is completing your learning plan for CCP. 
Michelle, uh, before we get into the process of how to log your learning activities in Alinity, can you talk a little bit about why registrants need to complete 24 hours of learning each year? Um, sure. Thanks, Kelly, for for asking that. Well, first of all, it's an expectation in our standards of practice, and it's found under Standard 1.9. RNs and MPs must engage in uh, professional development opportunities, including compliance with uh, continuing competency requirements. So, so it's in our standards. It's expected. Um, and it's really important um, as part of licensure renewal because um, obtaining that license to practice um, is assurance to the public that you're going to provide safe, competent, compassionate, and ethical care. And we do that by maintaining competence and engaging in learning. It's also a legislative requirement. Um, it's found in the RN regulations under section 17, subsections 1 to 3. And one of those sections says that all members shall uh, complete a continuing competency program as required by the council. And the council has um, approved the, the current uh, CCP program that we're talking ab about today. And it's really important um, that we, um, you know, complete the uh, steps for licensure renewal and the second step, as you've said, is CCP. So that is a part of licensure requirement, and it will have an impact on your license if you do not complete your CCP as it's part of licensure uh, uh, renewal. So not doing your CCP means that you will not um, you know, have the three steps to licensure renewal completed, um, and you will not get a license to practice. Um, and if you do not have um, a license to practice by March 31st, your employer will be notified and you won't be able to practice. And if you do practice after, um, you know, March 31st, if you don't have a license to practice, then you're practicing without a license, which could lead to the, the PCR process and conduct is serving a sanction. So really, really important that we um, not have that impact on our license by um, completing CCP and completing licensure renewal. So it's really important. Don't wait until the last moment. Um, there is a little bit of work, not a lot, to um, complete your CCP, um, but you don't want to run into problems, um, you know, by March 31st if you haven't um, completed all of the requirements for CCP. Perfect. Thanks, Michelle. I think it's always good to have an understanding of why we're doing uh, the things that we're doing as registrants, for sure. So can you now move into uh, describing how to complete a CCP in Alinity? Sure. So this is just, um, a, a, we have a, a picture or a diagram of the six steps and um, completing the um, requirements for licensure involves six steps. Um, and the first two um, steps are, um, you know, they're very informal, um, self-directed learning um, activities. So conducting your self-assessment, identifying your learning need, these are reflective informal um, exercises and you don't have to record anything. So for licensure renewal, you'll be expected to complete steps three, four, and five. And step six is the CCP audit. And there's nothing that you have to do for the CCP audit because all of your entries will be in the Alinity member por um, portal and staff will use that information that you've entered in your CCP, my learning, for the uh, basis of the CCP audit. And before I get into um, talking about the steps that's required, I just want to remind listeners that it's important to um, avoid any of the pitfalls that uh, was encountered last year. We're doing it um, through my CCP. Um, 
and what we found in the audit. So this is why we're going to give you some helpful tips to, to meet the CCP requirements for licensure renewal. And I guess one tip is try not to wait until the very last moment um, in case you, uh, you know, encounter any issues. Um, there will be, um, you know, some information that you'll have to input and it will take a little bit of time. So, you know, you're going to have to put in your 24 hours of learning. So those learning activities that you've identified through your self-assessment, through your practice um, setting, um, those things that you want to learn more about. You also have to... Uh, also capture your uh, impact statements. So what is the new knowledge or competencies you've gained and what's that immediate impact on your, um, your practice or your practice setting? Uh, and so, um, and then when you have that done, you also have to enter your summative um, evaluation. And if you wait until March 1st or uh, right up until the very last moment, March 31st, then, you know, there, um, there may, you may encounter some issues um, and you don't want to be left at the very last moment and having um, issues with um, entering your CCP or with your um, licensure renewal steps and then not have a license to practice. So the key is to capture a learning as you do it. Um, you're able to use your, um, you know, your Android or your iPhone, um, your um, iPad, uh, your computer at work, um, your, you know, your PC at home. So you can capture these things as you're doing it. And so once you sign into Alinity um, for, um, to capture your learning, you're going to, um, do that either through saving in your um, whatever uh, platform that you use. If it's Google, uh, you can bookmark it there or in Safari, or you're going to go in on the website under uh, member portal and access the Alinity portal through there, the um, Alinity member portal and access my learning through through those two, two methods. And once you go in, you need to on the right on the left hand side of the screen um, in Alinity when you go in as uh, Julie showed when she was showing where to update your profile you're going to find my learning and that's where you click on and to uh, go in to capture your learning activities and the first thing you're going to do is choose your licensure um, year your registration year and it's really important that you choose 2023 to 2024 um, because um, that is the current licensure year that we're in. So the learning that you're going to capture is going, going to be in April 1, 2023 to March 31st, 2024. So when you um, click on that greater than sign at the, at the end of that registration line there, registration year, when you go in, make sure you see 2023-04 to 2024-03. So that means you're in that licensure year. If you see 2022 04 to 2023-03, three, you're in the wrong year. So make sure you have the right learning plan when you're going into my Alinity. That's a really um, important um, key. So now I'm going to draw, come back to the steps for um, licensure renewal. In Alinity, the steps that you need to complete is steps three, four, and five. So it's complete and evaluate your immediate impact of each of your learning activities. You record your 24 hours of learning activities in my learning in the Alinity member profile portal, pardon me, and you complete your summative evaluation. So those are the um, three steps that you're required. 
as step two of licensure renewal. So step one, as uh, Julius talked about updating your profile, and then you do your CCP, and the last is your CNPS um, and your declarations. So um, that is a part, so CCP is step two of that licensure renewal. And it's also really important, as I said, licensure renewal is required to be done by March 1st. You can enter all your learning um, up to March 1st, but you can go into up to March 31st. But again, I caution you um, by doing that, um, waiting to the last moment, if you have any issues, it may delay you getting um, your license and you don't want to be practicing without a license on April 1. And so ensure as well, as part of doing your CCP and the three steps of licensure renewal, that you pay your fees as well and that you pay your CNPS before you start the, the process. And there shouldn't be any issues with you um, obtaining that 24 hours of learning because we no longer have any distinction between um, self-directed and formal learning. And, you know, a lot of uh, learning activities that weren't previously being captured, we've highlighted over the, the last year or two since we started this new program. And you can find a list of learning activities um, in the CCP guide that's on our website is in a, uh, Appendix B. So there's lots of opportunities to get learning. So you shouldn't have to wait until March 31st, but you can. Um, but, you know, we always encourage you to have it all inputted by March 1st. I think I think um, that's an important or important point yeah. um, there, Michelle, about uh, waiting till the you know the March thirty first. Like while we recognise you know don't push it out to the last minute just in case you do encounter issues. But you know traditionally people would sometimes refer to March as a, a write off, and and anything that uh, occurred in March didn't count, and um, that's certainly not the case. So if there's something that you know you're really interested in and it's really applicable to your practice and it's offered during March, like you sure can use that. Absolutely. So now I'm going to talk through the the different steps, the steps three, four and five. And to do that, I'm going to go into um, our test um, site and I'm going to start sharing so that the, for those who are viewing um, today, you'll be able to um, see my screen. And for those who are listening uh, later, I'd just like to say um, Michelle will be describing step-by-step uh, step what she's doing. Yeah. So as I said um, in the earlier description, you find your um, My Learning Portal um, here on the left-hand side under um, My Learning. And you uh, click on My Learning and you go into the registration year 2023-2024. And you would click on the greater... Um, greater sign, and then that takes you into um, your CCP cycle. So you always look for um, the 2023-04 to 2024-03 for this current licensure year. And when you have a practicing license and you renew, the number of hours that uh, you are required to complete are 24. So here in um, for this uh, learning plan, um, I had to do 24 hours. So for ease of time, I have completed uh, and entered learning activities. So right now I have 23 hours um, completed and zero minutes. So my status is not met. And so in order to um, click um, to add a new activity, under the activity section, you'll see a button called add 
um, an activity. So I'm going to click there and then I'm going to go in and um, and copy and paste a title um, to add and that learning activity that I have completed is I attended the International Congress of Nurses um, Conference in Montreal and the completion date, there is a calendar. So I'm going to backdate that and you're able to do that. And I attended that in July and the, the date that the conference was completed is um, July 5th. So generally in the completion date, you put in the date that you completed the activity, the learning activity. And that was a um, a five-day conference, and um, there was all different activities, and um, that was 30 hours. Um, and I'm, but like there were some days that um, some I didn't really have any learning, so I chose um, 20 hours over overall. Um, then in ensure that you click that if it's 20 hours, you also would put in zero minutes. If it was 20 hours, 30 minutes, I would put in 30 minutes. So I have my completion date and the number of hours. I have my activity description. Remember, there's a minimum of 20 characters and a maximum of 300 characters. And we just don't, uh, you like use one words. Um, there is a minimum. And then I need to identify the learning activity learning impact. And this is really important. Um, there's two things that needs to be in that learning impact. In order to meet future CCP audits, you have to identify what did you learn in with that learning activity. So what was the new knowledge gained and uh, or what competencies did you gain in um, completing that learning um, activity? But what was the immediate impact um, on your practice? So what was the effect that, um, that that learning activity had on your um, professional practice and your practice setting. So in this particular um, activity, my impact statement, I'm just copying and pasting now that into the system. And again, this has a minimum character of um, 20 characters and a maximum of 1,000. And um, I just want to draw your attention um, for the listening audience. In the box in your learning impact, there is a, two, um, a little box, gray box, and it has some lines in it. You can pull on that and bring um, the um, the lines down so that the box gets bigger so that you see all of the the content in that um, in that box. So um, so you can you can do that to um, to see all of the learning impact rather it being um, squished together. So for this learning activity, um, my impact statement was as 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 I read now, the Congress was an excellent opportunity to learn about nursing research best practices and right touch regulation, leadership, nursing practice, registration, etc. I also learned about leading with care in the new technological era and the new global nursing leadership framework. 
ICNs and the WHO's Global Strategic Direction for Nursing and Midwifery. I learned about transition to practice for new graduates, digital technology, advanced practice nursing in Africa and Asia, the Canadian Centre for Advanced Practice Nursing Research, trauma and violence-informed care, and culturally safe care. It was interesting to learn that currently there is no updated global definition of nursing. Now, I added a, a little bit on to that, but it's not really necessary for me to, to read all of that out. But it's just showing you that, you know, for my professional practice and my practice setting, that this was a learning activity um, that was uh, important for the work that I do. And I uh, demonstrated um, in my learning impact of the learning that I completed and gained through that. And um, now the impact statement and, and what was the immediate impact on my um, practice. So the Congress was an excellent opportunity to network with the global nursing leaders and groups that can that I can consult within the future. It helped to build leadership skills that I can immediately incorporate into my practice and role. This new knowledge will assist me in leading provincial and or national committees. The Congress also provided me new knowledge, trends, and best practices that can I can use in providing evidence-informed practice calls, adding new content to notes from the practice team, and it keeps me updated on new and emerging trends in technology and nursing delivery that I can in incorporate into my role. So you can see from a, a, a policy uh, person like myself, and my role is, is policy, um, that I was able to um, use that learning activity to enhance my practice. So this is what an, a learning impact um, statement uh, would look like. So I've entered that, um, that activity now, and um, I have reached 43. Now, the system will allow you to go over on your last learning activity. So as we've seen before, when I started, uh, I needed 24 hours of learning, but I had 23 already um, completed. So now I'm I'm gone over. So I have, um, I've met my requirements by my learning hours. And then I would need to um, add in my summative evaluation. So once you reach your 24 hours of learning, um, the summative evaluation drops down automatically. And so um, in the summative evaluation, you don't repeat what you did in the learning activities. So you don't say again what you learned. What you're describing in the summative evaluation is the impact of completing all of that learning, all of those 24 hours of learning, what impact it had on your nursing practice, what changed uh, in your practice um, uh, by completing all of that learning. So for me, um, I have um, my summative already prepared, so I can just copy and paste. Um, and um, I'm just putting that into the system now while we're waiting. And again, there is, um, I, I do believe that the um, character, minimum characters is 2,000. So, you know, we don't expect everybody to uh, write as much as what I've written here. Um, but, you know, we want you to really reflect on um, that, that difference that those 24 hours of learning um, made. 
um, to your practice after completing those 24 hours of learning. Um, you know, so there should be like a short paragraph or paragraph, two paragraphs, whatever you feel, but you can um, write up to uh, 2,000 characters. So my summative evaluation, I wrote, overall, the 24 hours of learning has assisted me in keeping updated on best practices and trends in nursing, regulation, education, and technology, all of which um, are extremely important in my role as a nursing consultant. Engaging in this learning has prepared, prepared me to be able to update or draft new college documents to meet the needs of RNs and MPs working within the current health care system. It has also allowed me to com competently answer practice call calls, give informed regulatory direction related to RN and MP practice and scope of practice, and be innovative when exploring new initiatives and ways of doing within my role. I feel I gain new knowledge and um, new and valuable knowledge that will allow me to be a better chair and co-chair or participant in committee work, and it has enhanced my leadership skills and has given me more confidence when engaging with global, national, and provincial leaders. Now, I've written a little bit more, but I don't need to read all of that out. But now that I have all of my requirements done for um, you know, licensure renewal, I had to do steps three to five, I then would um, hit submit. Now, if you wanted to, um, you know, you got called away and you needed to step away, you could either save for later and then come back, um, or then I am completely done with my learning and I can hit um, submit. Um, I just want to remind individuals when they're entering their um, CCP requirements, there is a timeout. So generally, I think it's about 20 minutes. So a quick tip is that maybe you should submit after every uh, entering every couple of learning activities so you don't time out and lose that information. And if you're, um, you know, you can hit the submit in each each time and then you can go back into uh, your um, profile at any time into my learning. But if you have a learning activity that, um, you know, you got called away and you just put your title in um, and the time where you didn't get a chance to do your impact statement, you can actually save for later and then come come back into your learning plan and make um, the updates. And, as well, if you saw that you made an error, you can go into um, your activity and, and edit. There's an edit button that will come up and you can take out all of the learning. Now that learning activity doesn't, it, it disappears, but it doesn't disappear out of um, the my learning. It just, um, there's nothing there on says zero, zero hours, zero minutes. You can type back over that and add an activity over that. that that space there doesn't disappear and you can reuse that one if you need to add a, a new activity. So these are just a couple tips so that um, people can see that. So you'll see that it comes up, uh, my status is now met. So then after you complete um, step two, then you can go on and uh, complete step three um, in licensure renewal. So Kelly, that's just um, some um, how my learning looks, looks like in Alinity. Yeah, and that was uh, really good, Michelle. And I guess just some key um, takeaways from that. So for the learning impact statement, you need to say what you learned and then what was the immediate impact on your practice. So you're, you know, just thinking about it logically, I guess that would be minimum of two sentences. Hey, what you learned and then what was the immediate impact? And I really like how, you know, there's no formal or informal 
um, things that we do every day as registered nurses that sometimes maybe we didn't consider as being learning activities like looking up a new medication or uh, maybe you have like bullet rounds or something in the morning where physicians may be explaining, um, you know, various illnesses or whatever, you know, things like that that we engage with on a regular basis um, out in practice that uh, that we can use. So that's that's really good. And then I, I really like the summative as well. Um, you know, it's not to repeat the learning impact statement. So it's how is what you learn? How has what you learned changed your practice? But I also like how it says supported you in your practice as well. So not necessarily do anything at the change, but it could be supporting you in your role, right? So absolutely, so, yeah, yeah, it could enhance some of the competencies that you have now. And you know uh, that Benner scale of novice to expert, it may move you from being proficient or competent um, to um, you know, um, the expert uh, in that, um, you know, um, practice setting. And I guess the key to when you're choosing your learning activities is to think about um, how it relates to your professional practice in your practice setting. And I'm going to give some further tips on, you know, um, for success in meeting the CCP requirements. But think about when you're choosing those learning activities to, you know, to complete your CCP, to get those 24 hours, that you're choosing something that's related to your professional practice or, um, you know, your your practice setting. Yes. And um, and also, like, if you're, if, you know, if you're thinking about maybe a career change or maybe you're looking at, um, you know, maybe I would like, I'm working towards maybe getting a job with infection control or occupational health or maybe management. Like you can enter learning activities that could um, for career growth as well. Is that correct? Yep. Yes, okay, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And I'll talk a little bit about that in the tips Perfect. for success. Yep. Yes. So going right into that, Michelle, <laughs> uh, can you give us some, um, give us some tips to meet the CCP requirements for licensure renewal? Absolutely. Can you? Um, yes, can absolutely. I forward, yeah. yeah, yeah, can, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, so to avoid some of the pitfalls that people fell into uh, when we done completed the CCP audit um, for the, the previous licensure year, and again, um, just, you know, last year, um, the the audit was, a you know, the CCP, a new program, um, the, the audit was a learning year, so nobody was asked to uh, submit additional information, but as we're um, completing the audit, it very quickly um, showed that people were making repetitive, um, you know, um, improvements, needing improvement in their CCP, um, and that in the future, if they continue with those um, entries, that they would not meet uh, CCP requirements for the audit. So I just want to give you some tips um, to avoid those pitfalls. So one of the big ones was um, ensuring that you use the current licensure year. So, you know, when you're going in this year, your learning must occur between April 1, um, 2023 to March 31st, 2024. So if you have entered anything from January to March of 2023, that's not going to count. So it's not the calendar year. It's the licensure renewal year. So it's April 1 to March 31st, 2024. And a lot of people put in learning from January to March, 2023. Another um, important tip is um, do not use um, gibberish. Okay, um, so, you know, if for some reason that, you know, you just put a full string of periods or 
exclamation points or it was just random letters, um, that will probably end up with uh, your file being referred to um, the Director of Professional Con Conduct Review. It's really important that uh, we not um, do that. We need to be professional um, in our um, in our, uh, I guess, encounters with uh, the college. So it's really important not to use uh, gibberish. It's also really important not to use one word sentences uh, or incomplete sentences for the um, learning description, learning activity description, and for the impact statement. So, um, in our old system, um, we did not have a minimum. We had a maximum of the characters. And I pointed out in the learning um, impact statements and the summative that there are um, minimum and maximum. Um, so we put that safeguard in so that people would not use one words. Again, we need a description of what your learning activity was. And I refer to you, if you want more information, to go to our CCP guide. Um, there's lots of tips on you know, uh, what is what would be an example of a learning activity description and an impact statement. And I've given example today as well. Um, so, you know, it's not enough just to say that your learning activity was WMIS and that your learning was WMIS. Um, you need to say, as I said, the two parts of the uh, impact statement um, is what is the new knowledge or competencies you gain and what was the immediate impact. And we just talked about this, Kelly, in our in our uh, I guess little summary after looking at the the um, Alinity member portal is that your learning must be related to your professional practice, your practice setting. And and again, as you said, if you have a, a career ladder or career path and you're looking to move into management or a clinical educator or IPAC, as you said, you may engage in some learning that is not directly related to your practice setting. But again, that would be reflected in your impact statement. For But for the most part, uh, you're looking at activities that are related to your practice setting. Setting. And it has to be related to your professional practice. So, for example, um, you know, you also have to, to think about um, if you are checking a crash card. Well, that's a nursing duty. And what is the new learning you're engaging in by checking the crash card? Well, if you're looking up meds that are on in the crash card and, you know, if it's um, amiodarone or, um, you know, there's um, the cardiac monitor or defibrillator maybe on and on the crash card and you don't know how to use it and you're looking up the um, product um manual on that. That's the learning that's that's occurring. So checking the crash card would not be an accurate learning activity. So think about um, what those learning activities are. And I talked about uh, the learning, uh, the impact statement in indicating two things. So again, uh, as I said, reflect on what constitutes a learning activity. Nursing duties are not learning activities. Um, but you don't just just reflect on, on you know, what constitutes and you have any questions at any time, uh, reach out to Kelly and I or refer to your CCP guide. There also shouldn't be any duplication of learning unless new learning occurred. So if you want on a session, so I'll give you an, a good example. Um, we've done multiple um, podcasts and uh, education events now on CCP and the Alinity. Um, you can include all of those because if there's new learning in each of those activities, you would indicate that in your impact statement, right? So, or if you um, attended a session on um, dementia, um, you attended one in um, January, uh, uh, January, January, uh, 
2024 and or you plan to attend one and you and you complete that and put that in the system but you did one in June then you can repeat it if you've had new learning but if you do BLS in April and you do it again in December and there is no new learning then you would not include that and we get that question about the new um RQI, I think the new BLS education that's being done in, in NLHS is you do, um, you know, watch a video, um, you write a test and you review material, but then you go back in the lab uh, after that. If there's no new learning in those practice sessions, then you don't include it. You just include when you had the learning of BLS. And again, if you have any questions, you can certainly reach out to us. So there, here's the next one that is the where we had a lot of people who would not have met um, CCP requirements if it was not a learning year. It's preceptorship, mentorship, teaching, supervision, providing a, a presentation. It is not the act of doing those roles. It is only the prep work. So what are you engaging in? What learning are you engaging in to be a preceptor, to be a mentor, to be, you know, teaching a course or providing a presentation or supervising students? Um, it's like, are you reading up on the policies? Are you reviewing the product monographs? Are you for medications? Are you looking at um, what is the... Um, you know, the policy on um, codes, you know, so it's those things. Are you reading the emergency preparedness manual to go over the codes for um, for your particular practice setting? So it's the prep work, not the act of being the preceptor or the mentor, et cetera, because you are the subject matter expert when you're imparting learning to those who are participating in the preceptorship or the mentorship or being supervised, for example. And, you know, another key point is the summative evaluation is not a forum to address professional practice issues. Um, you are to reflect on what was the impact of all of your learning on your practice. Um, so there shouldn't be any venting or uh, in the summative evaluation. You is, is not a place to um, thank the presenters. Well, that's a really nice thing to do. That's not the, the forum. The summative is not for that. So again, I go back to that there's, there is tips in the CCP guide that will allow you um, to, you know, um, create and draft your, your impact statements and your summative evaluation. And certainly our previous um, podcast can help with that as well. Another tip is avoid lumping all of their learning activities in one entry. So we had people who try to take shortcuts and they had, you know, 10, 15, 24 different learning activities put into um, the um, learning, uh, learning activity description or in the impact statement. The key is if you... Um, are doing 24 different um, learning activities to give you your 24 hours of learning, then you need to reflect on each of those learning activities. The, the exception is that is if you do an education day and you completed that, so some people are doing education days now in December for your um, practice settings, and you did six or seven different sessions throughout the day. You can say the learning activity description is your, um, you know, urology um, 
education day, but in your impact, here's the new knowledge that I gained during that education day. And you would just say, then what is the impact in your learning? But you should not lump all of your learnings into one entry into um, the Alinity member por portal in my learning. In the summative evaluation, you don't need to repeat the impact of the learning activities in the summative. So you have reflected on what is the immediate impact and what is the new knowledge gained in your impact statement. I can't say it enough. In that summative, it doesn't have to be long. I wrote several paragraphs because that's just me. I reflected on and how that completing my 43 hours of learning, although I only needed to do to the 24, what was the impact? How did that prepare me um, to be the, the consultant that I am and, you know, how it prepares me for the future? So it's really important um, that um, that you not repeat the, the uh, impact of those immediate things is the impact of the 24 hours of learning overall. And, you know, again, a key is not wait. Uh, I know we're getting close to licensure renewal, so if you haven't entered any learning, it, it's going to be a little bit of, of time. It's, it's certainly not um, going to take you a lot of time, but it will take you some time. And Kelly and I have um, kind of come up with some some tips of how to help you is that, um, you know, again, we have that time out of the 20 minutes. We have actually typed ours up in a Word document and then copied and pasted it so that it, it will help you um, enter it much even easier than, than typing it in uh, one activity at a time. But that's certainly up to you. That's just a tip. But it's really important that um, licensure renewal is required for March 1st. And, um, you know, it would be ideal to have all your learning um, in by March 1st. Again, as I talked about earlier, there's lots of opportunities now for learning and you should have 24 hours of learning by March 1st. But if you don't, you certainly can enter your learning up to March 31st. But um, there can be significant ramifications impact on your practice if you encounter issues and you're not able to renew your license um, because you've run into issues. And if you wait until that 11th hour or, uh, you know, on March 31st and that's on a weekend, then, you know, you won't be able to practice um, without that, that um, you know, license to practice. And then if you don't have your license, you cannot practice on April 1. So consider the impact of not having um, your license at April 1 if you, if you wait to the last moment. And we really rely on you as well to get that message out to, um, you know, your colleagues that, you know, this is really important. Um, it's, a, it's a part of licensure renewal and that's a legislative requirement. But we really want you to get the word out to your colleagues. And that's why we've been, we've been offering a lot of podcasts on this. So because it, it, it could have serious ramifications um, on the syst healthcare system and your colleagues if we don't have people, um, you know, doing the three steps of licensure renewal. So um, right now we have about 80% who've gone in and verified their account, but we have about less than 50% who have updated their profile that Julie had went through that first step. Um, you know, at the beginning of the podcast. So, you know, as I said, steps one, two, and three are required for licensure renewal and, and CCP is step, um, step two of that process. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Um, so when you were talking about avoid lumping all your learning activities, mm -hmm. um, but if you were to attend um, an education session or a conference, like 
uh, I believe you had 30 hours initially uh, mm-hmm. for um, ICN, um, you would technically you're meeting your um, requirements. It doesn't have to be spread out over the year. If you are fortunate enough to be able to go to a conference that's several days and you are able to get all of those um, hours in one um, event, I guess, then that's that's appropriate. Absolutely. I mean, some people can even have their CCP requirements done in April. If they attend a conference that that is 24 hours, um, yeah, they can use one learning activity um, to meet those CCP requirements. So if you attend a conference, and that's why I said there's a difference in in saying what you did in a conference or in a um, education day than putting 24 Um, different learning activities or 10 different learning activities into one that are different. A conference, that's one learning activity. Attending a conference is is a learning activity. And then as you can see in my uh, ICN conference that I went to, I identified all of the new learning that I obtained over those five days and then said what the impact was on my role. But is it's it makes them much more difficult um, when you put all of the different learning activities under one and makes it much more difficult for for auditing that is the key is is that each learning activity must be um, reviewed and critically thought about okay what is the new learning I gained or competency I gained and what was the impact of each of those learning activities on um, my practice my immediate practice right so that's the difference. And if someone's not sure, they can reach out to us. Okay. Yes, thank you. And just uh, going back to the chat, um, I just want to, I guess, clarify education sessions that you facilitate for others, that does not count towards your hours, only the prep work. So if I prepped for several hours to deliver a uh, presentation and I'm the subject, subject matter expert and I'm giving the presentation, I only include the prep work, correct? Absolutely, yes. So if I'm doing um, a presentation on um, suicide prevention, so the act of, you know, if I, if I, I'm in a presentation and the presentation takes two hours, then I can only include the time I spent preparing to do that presentation because you're, you know, you're doing literature reviews, you could be um, reading up on suicide prevention. So it's only the time that you spent preparing to be that when you're doing the presentation, you are the subject matter expert and you're imparting learning on others. Perfect. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, just another comment about um, it, it may be a good idea to do an entry for each day. If you're, say, let's say if you're attending a five-day conference, it sounds like to me that that's up to you. You can do an entry each day, highlight what you learned, impact on your practice, or you can wait till the end of the fifth day of the whole conference and, and include it all because a conference can be considered one learning activity. Absolutely. It's up to the individual. Um, We generally say the completion date is the date of completion of the learning activity. But if if, uh, RNs and MPs want to put in each day as as the learning activity, that's fine too. Um, The problem is, like I said, is when, um, you know, an individual um, put in an an ACLS course, I'll I'll give you an example where it caused confusion, is that the... um, the ACLS was put in for October 1st, and the next day was put in for October 1st. So if ACLS was two days 
um, it probably could have put in like the um, 16 hours for the second day. So it looked like a duplication. So that's why it's really important to, um, to you know, put in the learning activity on its completion date. But feel free if you want to put in each day, that's fine too. Excellent. Thanks, Michelle. So, Michelle, can you give us a general timeline for completing the steps of CCP required for licensure renewal? Sure. So it's kind of hard now because we're late in the year. If we're getting close to licensure renewal, it opens up mid-January. But, you know, going forward, starting for April 1, 2024 to March, uh, March uh, 2025, then here's a, like an ideal timeline. So when licensure um, renewal, like uh, when that closes and we start the new licensure year of April 1, then people should um, start, you know, RNs and MPs should start thinking about conducting their self-assessment early in April and thinking about, okay, I work in obstetrics. What are some things that I want to, to think about this year and, and I want to learn more about? So again, an expectation is that you review your standards of practice, you look at your code of ethics, um, you know, look at your practice area and start thinking about, okay, here's the different roles that I that I play in, in my unit. Um, you can refer to your e entry-level competencies, as I said, your standards. And again, we have some questions and reflective uh, considerations in our CCP guide that you know, individuals can use to, to start conducting their self-assessment. I want to remind you, these are informal, self-reflective exercises, and they don't need to be recorded. And that's the same as you're identifying your learning needs. So again, April, early May, you want to start thinking about, okay, what are the learning needs? What topics do I want to learn more about working in obstetrics? And so you start thinking about, okay, um, I heard about there's an A1 conference in um, Las Vegas uh, in October. Maybe I'll um, you know, think about attending that. So again, think about what is it you want to learn throughout the year? And that could change as the year progresses. And if you want to jot them down, there's a text box in our CCP guide. But again, your learning goals or your topics you want to learn more about does not need to be written down. Then in April um, to January, February, um, then you start capturing um, your 24 hours of learning that you do. So you complete 24 hours of learning throughout the year and you're reflecting as you complete each learning activity, what's the immediate impact? Now, we encourage you to record each activity once you complete it. But that's up to you. You got right up until um, the, you know, the end of March. But uh, we recommend that you get it all inputted as you're doing your before your, your licensure renewal. So in that now that we're getting to that January and February is where you really need to be start recording um, the details of each of your learning activities and the immediate impact. So you have that grace. So if, you know, on average, we, we say that, you know, to get 24 hours, that's two hours a month. That is totally up to you. Some may get all their learning done in April, by July, October. But on average, if you're up to uh, at October, you probably should have about 12 hours of learning done by then. But it's certainly up to you. And then by the end of February, we say end of February because licensure renewal is supposed to be completed by March 1st. Um, so you should um, have your CCP entered. Um, but again, you can go up to March 31st, but your license will not be processed until CCP is completed because that's step two of licensure renewal. 
and then um, audit the audit date. Well, guess what? Nobody knows when the audit date is, is because staff are doing it throughout the year. Because your entries in uh, the Alindy member portal now forms the audit, we're actually doing audits throughout the year. So no one will ever like receive a registered mail uh, letter in the mail now. Um, you will just get an, an email from the in your Alindy um, email address that you have in Alinity that will um, you will receive an email saying congratulations you have um, met all CCP requirements or um, no you need uh, there's room for improvement and here's the things that you will need to resubmit um, to the my learning in order to meet the CCP requirements so that's just a general timeline um, of um, completing the uh, CCP requirements Perfect. Thanks, Michelle. I'm just wondering, Michelle, if you could talk a little bit about, I mean, with this new Alinity, um, change is very difficult for everyone. Um, you know, that's for the registrants, but even even uh, the staff here. So, um, you know, thank you to all the registrants who, who are, you know, on this journey with us, with Alinity, for sure. We really do appreciate it. Um, but can you just talk a little bit about the the benefits of this new database and ensuring that their profile in, um, information is up to date? Sure. Can you talk about that? Uh, yeah. Well yeah, sure. So there's a lot of benefits to completing this process. And one of the things is um, updating your profile provides your point of contact with the college and it protects you from identity theft. Um, so it prevents others from posing as you as a registered nurse. Uh, and we certainly live in a world now where identity theft is real. It has happened in, in nursing and it's even happened in nursing in our province. So we, you work very hard as a professional and you don't want anyone taking away from you and and stealing your identity. So a part of this new uh, Alinity profile is that we have a two-factor authentication process that will help against um, identity theft. Another positive thing about Alinity is that it makes it much easier um, to communicate with the college and for us to communicate with you. Um, there's a lot of, um, I guess, uh, profiles and um, features in Alinity um, that uh, you can use and the college can use to communicate with you. Um, so, you know, when we send notes from the practice team for, uh, to you now, that is actually being sent out through Alinity. Um, we also will be creating um, a document library. So when we answer practice calls um, with um, RNs and MPs, we'll be able to send you documents directly um, to be able to assist you and and uh, answering that practice call. Um, when you, if you sit on uh, committees or advisory committees with the college, um, we will have your minutes and um, and your uh, packages for your minute for your meetings all there in Alinity. So there's a lot of uh, good things and good features that comes with uh, with the the new Alinity um, pro, uh, portal. And I guess you mentioned too, Michelle, about the two factor authentication. And I guess just like out there, um, you know, for for registrants who are practicing and everything needs to be evidence based and, um, you know, evidence informed practice like this two factor authentication. This is best practice now. Right. When it comes Absolutely. to uh, information technology. So so it's very important that we have that. Uh, and can you make a comment, I guess, about why it's so important to update your profile with Alinity? 
Well, uh, it's really important that um, RNs and MPs update their their profile and account in the Alinda, in the Alinda member portal. And we even sent um, an email on December 1st to those members who haven't updated um, their account. Um, and you use the um, email that you uh, used previously for licensure renewal. And it's important because um, if you don't do those steps and update your profile, do your CCP, um, and do step three of answering your declarations, you cannot get a license to practice. And I mean, that's the the most important message from this is that this is required. These steps are required for licensure renewal. And um, and as I said, there's still over 50%, more than 50% of the of the RNs and MPs who have not updated their profile. Uh, registration, uh, licensure renewal is going to open up in mid-January. And it's really important that um, that you know you complete those uh, those steps. One, the ramification is is that you wouldn't have a license to practice if you don't do it. But also, having a license to practice is assurance to the public when you have that protected title and have that you know title of RN and MP is assurance to the public um, that you've done those steps, that you're going to provide safe, competent, compassionate, and ethical care to the, uh, to the public. And that assurance comes from completing CCP, um, completing re uh, regulatory requirements, engaging in continuous learning. And we do all of that um, by having that license to practice. So it, it's assurance to the public um, that you're meeting your uh, license requirements and maintaining a current license and it's actually a standard it is actually standard and indicator 1.1 that you maintain your your current um, license and you meet all licensure requirements perfect thank you michelle so um so as a registrant if i go in i update my profile i log all my learning activities i got my 24 hours i completed my summative evaluation what is the next step after that, Judy. So the, the final step, uh, we can't show it to you right now, obviously because renewal is not open yet. So there's nothing, we'll just have to describe it, but uh, there are a series of declarations um, and they, were, they would be the same as uh, you had answered previously when you completed your licensure renewal. Um, but the big change this year is that you will have to verify that you are of current CMPS as part of licensure renewal. So previously um, it was what we called step two. So you submitted your renewal application and then you went and did your CMPS. The steps are now reversed. You should get your CMPS for the upcoming licensure year before you do your renewal uh, because you have to verify it as part of your uh, renewal application and you won't be able to submit your application until you have verified that we have verified that you have CMPS, which is, it'll be a simple process. It'll just be clicking a button. They'll go out and say, yep, you've got CMPS or no, you don't have CMPS. And then you have to go in and, and get it. Um, but it will be a part of the application, the renewal application, and you won't be able to submit your application without it. So, so that is the big change. Alinity will be doing that check in the background. There's nothing, if yes. I went and did my CMPS before I started my renewal with the college, Alinity has that, capability of yes. checking to confirm yeah. that I've done So when that. you go in to step three and you click, it'll be a like a button to say verify CMPS. It will go off and do a check with the CMPS system and come back and say, yes, Kelly has CMPS for the upcoming licensure year. You're good to go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Kelly, and I just want to... Yeah, oh, sorry. sorry. 
No, I was going to say, like, yeah. this is a, a new process for CMPS. This is not mm-hmm. CRNNL's uh, process. Mm-hmm. And I just want to let everyone know that in the um, notes from the practice team, um, we sent out some uh, initial information, just uh, alerting everyone to that there is a new CMPS process. Um, the CNPS will be sending information themselves on January 8th, um, but um, yeah, you'll find out more information um, and we'll have it in notes for the practice team again for January. Um, but Julia's basically, um, you know, said what the step will be that you have to, um, you know, update your pro your your profile in CMPS, pay for your CMPS, and then our program will confirm that, yes, you've done that. So so there's more to come, but if you're interested, read notes from your practice team on that new process that CNPS has implemented. Lots of changes for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Michelle, can you, um, who can the registrants, I guess, contact um, if they have any issues with renew- with entering their CCP or updating their profile? Who do they contact? Well, um, if they have issues to logging in uh, their CCP requirements or their learning activities in my learning, they can really, they can reach out to you or an I. Um, and um, we also have um, a um, telelink uh, that if you call the um, the main line, uh, 753-6040 and call, I think is uh, 31, I think is the, the number, is that correct, Julie? Um, then if you have questions about CMPS, telelink will, will provide some information as well. Um, if not, they will refer um, registrants to um, the college and we can certainly answer some questions about CMPS. But again, that's not in place until January 8th. Um, if you have any questions related to your Lindy account or profile, then reach out to registration. And again, that's called by calling 753-6040 or emailing registration at crnnl.ca. Um, we do have a link to an FAQ on our website on the front page um, at the top left hand of our the corner of the web page and um, and you will see there a note new regulatory management system now live and that's where you can access those FAQs um, you know so so there's a number of methods to uh, connect with uh, the college and tell a link to to get some of those questions answered so we got lots of resources and I refer everyone to our CCP guide um, Right now, the current version talks about my CCP, but um, we actually have the CCP guide updated, and I hope to have that on the website in the next couple of days. That reflects the Alinity member portal, but all the principles are the same because the program is the same. It's just in a different database this year. And you can find that guide um, on our website um, under practice and then practice resources and practice topics. And CCP is there uh, to choose from. Yeah. Would doing research for policy writing be considered a learning activity? Absolutely. Um, you're you're doing a literature review. You're, you're reading up on different topics that's related to what is the policy needed on that topic. I see a thumbs up, so that's really good. Um, so yeah. And again, if you go in and review the a learning as a, a list of uh, suggested learning activities in the CCP guide, it will actually say that. Um, so that details in the CCP guide. But yes, definitely doing that that research that um, that literature review. And reviewing best practices, evidence-informed um, knowledge. Um, yeah, absolutely, that would count. Excellent. 
And just thinking, you know, uh, one that we see sometimes when we're doing audits of um, CCP, like if you were to go to an education session related to your retirement, so Provident sometimes puts on um, education sessions, very important, uh, very important, but that's not something that you would be able to use for CCP for your um, licensure renewal. No, because you're looking at your professional practice and your practice setting. So while it, it's it's important to you because you're get you're planning to retire, that's not information that you're going to use in client care. Um, so it has to be related to your professional practice and your practice setting or that career ladder. But uh, retirement, no, you're you're getting ready to retire. You're not going to share that with your client on your uh, medicine unit. <laughs> Thank you so much to Julie and Michelle um, for that information. That is excellent. Um, for those um, for those who listen later, this can be available. This will be uploaded to um, um, podcast streaming platforms, YouTube, as well as be posted to the college website under archived events. And like I said, this is the last podcast for uh, 2023. However, stay tuned for details uh, related to further podcasts coming up in the new year. So thank Thank you, you everybody. This has been a presentation of the College of Registered Nurses of Newfoundland and Labrador.